Phil Hay Show. Hello there, welcome to the show. The football season now coming to a close, but it will be back before we know it. Still plenty of time to get involved in a huge range of markets they have on Bet365, including first, last, anytime goal scorers, loads more as well. With over 45 million members, the world's favorite online betting company, you can use Bet365's Bet Builder to create your own personalized bets. You can combine together match results, players to score, number of goals, and loads more. And if you're not getting to watch the games at the minute, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow everything that's happening through live graphics and text. Bet365, the world's favorite online sports betting company. You can get the app in the Apple App Store and Google Play as well. For over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Phil Hay Show is brought to you by The Athletic and The Square Ball. My name's Dan Moylan. Hello, and he's back. It's Phil Hay. Hello. And Michael Normanson, who might finally be happy from The Square Ball. <laughs> finally, I am. I can guarantee I am. Don't miss out on a single word of Phil's coverage of Leeds United's glorious promotion, championship win inside. It's been a magical weekend. We've got plenty more magic to come as we get into the summer and all the exciting stuff that's happening for the club. There's a 30-day free trial now with The Athletic. If you head to theathletic.com forward slash Leeds pods. No ads, no clickbait, just great stories. Theathletic.com forward slash Leeds pod. Well, round the final bend, Phil. We didn't go round the bend. We actually did it. We did. Um, I, I've struggled to believe it points over the weekend. And it's funny because I, I was down at Ellen Road um, on Monday doing a piece with Calvin Phillips, which will be on, on the Athletic site later this week. And you've got this juxtaposition between people and players and coaches and, and other people at the club looking absolutely ecstatic in one sense, uh, but looking totally exhausted and bleary-eyed in another. Uh, and I think, you know, if, if there'd been no COVID, I think it would have been a, a three-month party in Leeds. I think it would have would have gone on constantly. But because of the way the fixture list was structured, um, and we knew that this was the case after Barnsley, that it could kind of happen at, at any time, it was just emotion after emotion. So there was the, the tension of the Barnsley game, which I think in the second half particularly is one of the slowest matches and, and most sort of agonising matches I've, I've ever watched. I mean, it must be, with hindsight, comparable actually with the Derby game last season in, in terms of the way it, it totally drained you. But you had that on Thursday, then on, on Friday afternoon, there was promotion itself with West Brom losing over at Huddersfield. You had the title on Saturday afternoon and then off to Derby on Sunday where you know there were the celebrations at the end. There was a really good performance which didn't go overlooked entirely but you know kind of got lost in the background of everything that was going on. And I just got the sense that by Monday everybody was completely blown out and, and everybody was, was feeling the pace. But it's been an amazing time and I hoped when it happened it would be like this and you know, obviously there have been no crowds and, and inside the stadiums and, and the celebrations haven't been what they should have been and, and what they would normally have been. But, you know, you can tell me whether this is right, but I don't feel as if people get the sense that they've missed out on this. I do think everybody has lived the moment as best they can. And, and I think in 20 years, when you look back, you'll, you'll remember this little period with immense fondness. I think it's been an odd period because it's been a really intense football anyway because they're trying to cram the season in. But then the way the games were staggered, I think ordinarily you'd expect maybe the Leeds-Barnsley, the West Brom-Huddersfield and the Stoke-Brentford games would maybe all been on the same day. So in one day you'd find out that these things were happening. So it'd be one celebration, whereas actually it was kind of the relief of one game, straight into a celebration of another, straight into a celebration of another, straight into the Derby game. And it just has felt like, a, I described it as feeling like it's just lots of Saturdays in a row is how it's felt. It's been like, big celebration tonight. And tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after, we just keep going with this until uh, until eventually the season ends and we can all calm down for a little bit. But I think had it 
it being earlier COVID conditions like in the proper lockdown and things, I think people would have felt they'd missed out. And that for a long while, it felt that's kind of how the season would end, would be nobody able to leave their houses and just the pure footballers who are being tested rigorously being able to go out and play a game. But it's relaxed enough, I think, that most people got to spend it with someone and have a have a party of some sort. It's also been the way in which the games have kind of fallen. And I know Leeds want, they didn't make a, a fuss about it, but they weren't especially happy with the, the scheduling that, that Sky created with, with them playing constantly on Thursdays and Sundays and, and West Brom and Brentford playing previous to them. And, you know, I think all round that there have been frustrations with, with things like Sky pumping in the Leeds have fallen apart soundtrack to games, which to my mind was a bit unnecessary and, and a bit below the belt. But it, it meant that what you had was the, pasting of Stoke at which point you thought mm, this feels like it's on and then Brentford win again and, and suddenly it's huge tension down at Swansea and then Hernandez scores in the last minute and you feel as if that must be it and then Brentford win again and suddenly it's back round to, to Barnsley where it's all horribly horribly tense and even after Barnsley you know that there's still a point needed and I, I'm not surprised but I almost couldn't believe the number of people on Twitter on Friday I did a, a piece saying look this must be it, surely. You know, this has to be happening. Six points clear of Brentford with two games to go. And the number of people who said, honestly, I, I won't be able to feel this until either West Brom make a mess of it tonight or we get another point. There was still that paranoia, which is just so indicative of what's been going on at Leeds for, for so long now. But Somebody has even put a load of money on it, you know, at that point. Yes, I can't imagine who. Um, and, and I can't imagine who will be who will be gambling at this point on Leeds to finish 20th next season. But yeah, I mean, it's, it is it's just that constant fear of the creep of death, which seems to get you eventually at Leeds, no matter what happens. But I, I don't know. It, it, from the point at Forest where there was just that real risk of it suddenly falling apart and of them suddenly losing their way, it's felt as if, as if this has been on. And I think with the exception of Cardiff, where it was all a bit laboured and, and a bit slow after the restart, they've been very, very good. And as much as everybody's been banging on about Brentford's form, if you go back to the game at Griffin Park between the clubs, it, it's Leeds who have the better, better results of the two clubs over those periods. They've, they've hardly dropped a point since then. And I do feel like they've had it in hand. And, and to go back to the Barnsley game, I just thought it was a combination on Thursday of Bielsa's formation not working, the players struggling to to understand it, him almost struggling to understand what he was trying to do himself. Really odd because it never happens under him. And the nerves creeping in because of it, which they, they weren't able to shed. But I think it was nervous tension and it's not a surprise that it got to that point because that really felt like the crunch night. You just thought if they win this and they're six points clear with two to go, then... You know, it's going to have to be the most lead scenario in, in Leeds United's history for this not to work out. Do you think this has fixed us in terms of that that thing that Leeds are always going to blow it? There's always something bad around the corner. You're always going to sell a, a player. You're always going to lose six games in a row and drop out of automatic promotion places. You know, It feels like that's been the way for such a long time that that's become an intrinsic bit of Leeds DNA almost. Is there a chance we're now, we're now out of that? It ends the EFL years, I think. And I, I was saying to somebody earlier today, you, you kind of wonder if or when you will write or will want to write again about GFH or about Bates or about Chilino or, or any of the the grimness that's gone on in, in this period because it's all been intrinsic in the way that it's been linked to the inability to get out of the EFL and back into the Premier League. And now that they're there, it, it, it kind of shoot, you know, shoehorns all of that into the cupboard and leaves it behind. And I, I think in order for Leeds to thrive from this point, they, they have to get a foothold in the Premier League and they have to turn one season there into several seasons there. And they have to aspire four or five years down the line to be properly established in a way that they aren't really starting any season with, with any great risk of, of relegation. I, I don't think 
I ever see Leeds United as a yo-yo club. I just don't think it, it would work for them in the way that it does for some others. I don't think people in Leeds would particularly tolerate the idea of, of being a yo-yo club at all. They, they've got they've got different things to live up to now, and that is that's not going to be particularly easy. But I think in terms of the sixteen year EFL stretch, it's it's not that nothing more needs to be said about it. I just don't see why from this point onwards anybody would particularly want to dwell any more on what's happened. It's interesting you say that, Michael. Not quite knowing the answer to whether it's fixed as because I feel like it has. I feel like we've we've done a lot of healing over this weekend amongst quite a lot of drinking and uh, and partying and all that sort of stuff. Because I feel like that has washed away 16 years of terror and angst and, and disappointment right over a weekend. And going back to something Phil said then about it being in the bag, I think deep down, I've always felt this was in the bag for quite some time. And again, that, that run of five games post-Forest is when you would uh, identify that as being the case. But with Leeds, you can never quite be sure, can you? Because experience tells you it's foolish to think that it's ever in the bag. But in the end, we we kind of cruised it. And I think what really made it for me over this weekend, and I do feel like sometimes I feel a little bit sad that we've not been able to enjoy it and we won't be able to see the trophy getting paraded around. But one positive that's come out of it being like this is it's it's been a great leveller and we've all experienced it in the same way. And what I really, really liked from the scenes across the weekend outside the stadium, and I make no judgment about whether you know, crowd should be assembling or not. This is purely just from a from a football point of view. I love the fact that the players have quite clearly just let their hair, their hair down and gone absolutely crackers with it in the same way that all the fans have. I think it's brought everybody together so much that they've had a great big party, we've had a great big party, and that makes us kind of one and the same. I think it's been lovely in that respect. And Bielsa too. I mean, I think we all needed to see that. I think the club needed to see that. I, I don't think it would have felt complete if you didn't sense him feeling it in the same way. And he, he was um, he was online on a Zoom call earlier doing the pre-match press conference for Charlton with us. And that's about as emotional as I've ever seen him, I think. He, he spent about 10 minutes running through the people he wanted to thank, from the bus driver to the kitchen staff to the, the ground staff, who he described as artists. He was talking about a lady in Weatherby who started leaving soup on his doorstep through the lockdown. I think it seemed to me that the enormity of what he's done and what he's achieved has finally sunk in. And, I, and you know, he, he did say in part of it, look, the, the biggest achievements for me are, are, came at the club where I belong, which is Newell's Old Boys. And I don't think anybody would take offence to that because in a lot of ways, you, you, you like to see that. You, you like to see the fact that the club where he grew up and the, the club that means most to him is, is the one that, that matters most. But he did say this is this is so special and it's, it's something I'll never forget. And I think you could see that in the way that he let himself go on Friday and Saturday. On, on Friday, he was at home watching. Uh, I, I don't think he watched the game. He was at home while the players got together at Ellen Road to to sit through the, the Huddersfield-West Brom game. But as soon as they were promoted, they wanted him down there and he, he got in the car and he was sneaked in through the West Stand. And, and you know, he, I don't think he was drinking, but he was, he was hugging everybody. He was right in the thick of it. You saw the images of him at Derby in the huddle in the changing room bouncing about. And you're right, I think it I think it has cleansed everybody. I really think it's cleansed the club this. I think it's the sort of achievement that the club has been crying out for and was never going to be able to move on until it realised. And, you know, I, I go back to something I say regularly. I think the fact that it's been Bielsa as well makes a huge difference because it makes the story more magical. You know, it's the sort of guy, the sort of coach that you would want to be here when you get promoted. And I think still that element of disbelief that that it is him um, and it's him who came to the championship and and him who in the end managed to do it. You know, it would have been a travesty if it hadn't happened because I don't think anybody can fully appreciate 
you know, thousands of miles away from home and you know, locked up in this constantly. I don't think you can properly appreciate how much he invests in it, how much of himself he invests. I think like most people, I was absolutely thrilled to see how happy he was. I was worried that he he's that much of a, a workaholic that he'd just see it as a job done and would want to move on to the next thing. But the fact he seems to have allowed the players to let their hair down a bit, he himself has been hugging people and bouncing around and smiling. It's, it's I think it's what we've all needed to see because I feel like I've at points I felt guilty for him. I felt like Leeds United is is killing him, and it's it's just the, this is the this is it's not the end for him because obviously he's going to be here for another decade, forever probably. But it's the end of this part of it, and it, it just needed to happen for everyone. And to see him so thrilled with it is is been beautiful. And I've cried a few times watching watching videos of him hugging people. He's so self deprecating that my concern was that he was going to try and you know, just shed the credit from himself and give it to everybody else. And, and you know, I was thinking to myself, please don't do that because whether you like it or not, or whether it's, it's kind of embarrassing or uncomfortable to be told this, he, people see this as his success. Don't get me wrong, they're not underestimating what the players have done and, and nobody's disregarding the role of Alter or Kinnear or, or Radrazani in, in making this happen either. But this is in no small way down to Bielsa. He's done what no other coach has, has looked like doing at any stage properly in 16 years. I know there was the playoff final in 2006, but I don't regard that as a special Leeds team at all. And I know Monk got close and I know Grayson got got close, but neither of those teams had it all over the pitch or or had it in depth. This has been totally different. This is just a a total machine from from front to back. And you know, I think my favourite video was of him at Derby pulling over to run out of the car and give the uh, disabled supporter a hug and him punching the air you can tell that it matters to him and you can tell that it's really touched him. And, and as I say, I, I felt there were points in the press conference today where he, he was almost quite teary as he was going through it, particularly as he talked about the, the people who have made the effort for him and, and the people who've helped him. And that's the thing about Bielsa. It, it doesn't just kind of stop with the staff, the backroom team and, and the players for him. He does value the people in the kitchen. He, I, I was, was told that when he, he came back um, after the lockdown, he insisted that, the first person who had to come off furlough was a 65-year-old chef in the kitchen at Thorpe Arch because they had a good rapport. He thought an awful lot of her and he didn't want her to be at home. You know, he wanted her to be back in, in her job and, and it was just non-negotiable. She she had to be back. And he's in his own sort of strange way, he's incredibly good with people like that. He, he really is a, a, a people person, even though it sometimes doesn't doesn't look like it. And I think of, of everybody involved in this, I'm, I'm happier for him than anyone. I think it's really humanised him this whole thing, all the video clips that have been doing the rounds. Because what we tend to see there is this kind of walled garden of a man because he doesn't do these one-on-one interviews where he lets his guard down and will do a tell-all story to a journalist. It's all through the the filter of a, of a press conference, isn't it? So we only ever really get those kind of functional answers that, that come out of, of press conferences. And then suddenly you see this, this man beaming and bouncing and you realise just how much it means to him. And it's changed his myth a little bit, I think, because he's kind of evolved from this maverick El Loco figure. And then every little detail, every new every new photo in Morrison's and, uh, and that kind of thing has seen him evolving into this almost, I don't know, he's like a grandfatherly figure now, isn't he? And he, he's gone from that crazy man to, to the grandfather. It's even stuff like the idea that he lives above a sweet shop in Weatherby in this, in this flat. And, uh, you know, you see him giving out lollies to the kids. So, He's almost becoming like a Willy Wonka character and you wouldn't be surprised if he gave out golden tickets to join his coaching team, would you? He's become cuddly, hasn't he? He's become cuddly. He's got this, you know, for so much of of the times that that we see him, 
He's got this strict, austere look, very, very serious, very concentrated. You know, he, he, he can have a giggle from time to time. And I think it's I, th- I think it took him time to kind of adjust to us and to get used to the, the journals who were in the room. But you do, you know, you do have funny moments with him. And, and you know, he, he, is, he can be very, very good at, at reading the room. But I think as a personality, you almost feel like he's been misportrayed throughout his career. I know he's had flashpoints and I know there have been stages in it where things have gone wrong and, and things have happened that make you wonder or could make it an outsider wonder whether he would be ever be a, a good appointment for you or whether it would be more hassle and, and trouble than it's worth. But I've said so many times since the promotion, because you, you know, it's just requests from in, for interviews from, from everywhere at the moment, South America and Europe and, and all sorts of places. And I've, I've just sort of said constantly, when you get close up to him, you see that there isn't really any madness there at all. There's this obsession and there's kind of devotion and everything else. But none of what he's doing is actually ridiculous. You know, none of what he's doing is is excessive in a way that is negative for the players. I mean, the players must be exhausted. The players will be absolutely drained. But he's got them here and, and he's got them here because he has pushed them and because he's convinced them to go with it and stick with it and, and to take the pain. But you, you kind of saw over this weekend, like I said, cuddly side to him. You know, very easy to warm to, very easy to admire. And I don't doubt that he'll pack that away again. Once we get into the Premier League next season, that isn't going to be spilling out of him week after week because it, it all becomes as serious as it was before. But it does make you think, don't you reckon, that behind the sort of cam facade and everything else, and I, I wrote about him on the touchline at Swansea where he was just manic and, and so engaged and, you know, so stressed. He must have been stewing on this because it's obviously meant and mat- meant so much and mattered to him. And it's amazing that he can present, certainly in press conferences, you know, this really calm image of, you know, we're not really thinking about promotion until we, we get to that point, which is what everybody says, but you do almost believe it with him. But I think under the skin and, and deep down, this must have been a, a stressful, stressful period. It's party time, so you want to look your absolute best for the celebrations. Harry sponsoring the Phil Hayes Show, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. And if you are fed up of paying through the nose for your razor blades, get on board with Jeff and Andy's company. They, they set up Harry's because they were sick of paying too much for the blades, so they bought themselves a factory as well to ensure top-quality blades at a fair price. Harry's now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brands. You can get started with the Harry's trial set for just 3 95 and you'll get everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. That includes a weighted ergonomic handle, a precision-engineered five-blade cartridge, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Get involved with Harry's. Phil's on board. You can be too, and get that handle. Five-blade cartridge, shave gel, and travel blade cover. Harry's.com forward slash Phil Hay. Harry's.com forward slash Phil Hay. I'm interested to find out what this has been like for you, Phil, from an emotional point of view, because we've seen all our outpourings on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and on the streets of Leeds. It's been fairly amazing. How was it for you personally? I think my, my first reaction was to be happier for other people, really. It's the, the people who you've seen trailing around Histon and Hereford and, and places like that, and, and not even for the odd one-off season. You know, three years in League One and so many more wasted, pointless seasons in the Championship than, than constructive and, and productive years but also for the players, I mean, there are players who've been at Leeds, not just through Bielsa's time, but going right back to, you know, in, in the case of Cooper and Berardi, right back to the, the early days of Chilino, which were some of the most volatile and, and difficult and, and some of the, 
the hardest years for players to thrive and and to look good. And you know, players who've, who've been criticised, players who've been criticised sometimes deservedly, but but sometimes excessively. Some players who were probably considered in certain quarters to be dead wood, or you know, footballers who who needed to move on. And then above all, for Bielsa as well, who, as I say, I, I just think has thrown so much at this so far from home and, and, and at his age it, it, it would have been so tough on him not to have had anything out of it but I always hoped that I would get to cover Leeds in the Premier League and I always thought that if I stuck around long enough it was inevitable because like most other people you, you do think that the laws of chance say that, that at some point the stars are going to align and, and it's all going to come together and journalistically it, it's some of the biggest challenges and, and some of the, the points at, at which you, you kind of use most of your, your talent um, as a writer, if talent is the right word, is when it's when things are going wrong and there are crises and, and you have to dig out difficult stories and you have to get your head around issues that you never dealt with before, like insolvency and administration. But I'm not joking when I say it becomes incredibly tiresome. And I think there's virtually nothing left at least that we haven't dealt with in a negative sense. I think there's nothing left to happen that would be a surprise or would go beyond some of, of what we've experienced in the different periods of ownership. It, it was hard not to feel a bit emotional on, on Friday night because you do finally realise that you've made it. And what I think jumped out at me was the reaction on social media when, when it happened. It, there is massive interest in this because people are realising again that this is going to be a great story and that you've got a great head coach in charge. You've got a club with bundles and bundles of potential if they do things right and if they've got the right ideas and, and the right amount of finance. And I think, you know, just looking at the other journals, people like Popey at, at Radio Leeds, who's been on the scene as long as I have, you know, it's been a long trek and there have been a lot of downs in this and, and very few ups to, to kind of counterbalance it. And I have to say, I think at this point, we're all as emotionally exhausted as anybody else. Let's have a whip through all the stuff that's kind of come to light over the last few days, uh, apart from the championship win and the promotion. Berardi, Adidas and transfers are the three things I've got in front of me here. So let's do them in turn. Bad news for Berardi in terms of his injury. It didn't look good when he went down at Derby. And, and I, I feel desperately sorry for him because if you go back to the initial COVID period and all the discussion that was had about, you know, what are we going to do about loans that end? What are we going to do about contracts that end on June the 30th? How is that going to be managed? And there was this sort of general kind of blasé view of, well, you know, people will just extend them and, and it'll all be fine. And in the main, that happened quite regularly. But, you know, the World Club's Charlton being an example where players weren't happy to, to extend to the end of their contracts precisely because they were trying to protect their interests. And I don't blame them at all for that. Berardi was one who decided he would extend his deal to the end of the season. He'd make himself available. And he, I think, I, I struggle to pick out a, another example. He, I think, is the person who has suffered exactly what everybody feared might might happen, you know, which is, you know, nine months out with an ACL strikes you as being about the most serious ACL injury that you can have. And I thought it was pretty obvious from the way that, that they were working his leg um, on the pitch on Saturday, uh, on Sunday, that it must have been something like that. But obviously, no, no medical expertise, so you had no idea if it would just be a slight strain, if it would be a, a tiny tear, or as must be the case, it's a, a, a much more serious rupture of some sort. And, you know, he's out of contract now. I, I don't know where that's going to leave him. I don't know what will be in his head to do. We we spoke to Bielsa about it earlier, and he talked Berardi up. You know, he said he, he actually thought his 30 minutes on the pitch against Derby were, were some of his best. He said he was somebody who Bielsa felt he could go to advice for if he needed it, and he described him as being you know, socially important at the club, which I, I totally understand. He's always been a very kind of healthy, healthy presence um, at, at Leeds as Berardi. 
So um, in, in the midst of so much good news, that is a, that is a horrible blow for him. And, you know, it's going to rule him out of next season, I think, highly unlikely to, to play at all. So what happens now with his contract and, and his future here or, or elsewhere, I, I really don't know. We're recording on Tuesday evening. Happy birthday, Marcelo Bielsa. We've seen the Adidas kit announcement that's been made in the last half an hour or thereabouts. Big surprise. Yes, a shock, no? Probably one of football's worst kept secrets, yeah. Five-year deal and um, kit's coming in the next couple of weeks, we think, something like that. Kit deals are a nightmare these days, though, because back in the day you could keep this stuff secret, you know, and it, it wasn't a challenge. But you've got kits being produced in the Far East. You've got all sorts of people involved in promotional stuff and everything else. And the chances of, A, keeping the, the manufacturer's name out of the media is very, very slim. And, and likewise, you, you don't have a huge amount of control. I know there are factories that, you know, for Nike and Adidas and so on, that ban people from having mobile phones in the hope of, of keeping some secrecy, but you, you can never be 100% watertight. So you'll have seen the leaks of the of the proposed awake a little while back, and this has been coming for a long time, and it, it would have been announced a long time before now had it not been for the, the COVID shutdown. But the, the agreement was that Leeds would wear Kappa to the end of the season just to, to make sure that they... they they tied up the end of that deal in an appropriate way and that there were no issues with Kappa there. But this um, will be, um, it's been described to me as a, a tier one kit deal, which means that it will be very, very lucrative and more lucrative than Kappa, which, to be quite honest, was a, a good deal in the championship. I remember Chilino saying that it was worth somewhere around about £2 million a year to the club, which is, you know, serious cash at that level. But once you get into the Premier League, everything just increases exponentially. And Angus Kinnear was saying on Saturday to us that, and I think implying that there will be a different shirt sponsor, um, although he, he didn't say that in as many words, but he did say that you can probably times your shirt sponsorship by 10 once you get up into the Premier League, something like that. That's the difference that it makes. So this is this is significant financially. And also, they're, they're a great brand at Adidas. So you would like to think that we'll have some nice kit on the way. Not that I ever wear it. Too old. I did notice, b- bizarrely, given this announcement has been in the offing for ages, you've been able to buy fake kits of that leaked away kit online now for months, which is just just shows the bizarre way that <laughs> that these things take on a life of their own. But did, I think as well with Adidas, there's a hope that there might be some an improvement in the supply issues we've had because it's quite often seems to have been the case in recent years that when we certainly when we've had a good season and some Capra have done some quite nice looking kits as well. But you know, there's been no medium or large men's shirts, for example, available, and that's always felt a little bit championshipy that was that you could go to a lead, the official club shop and they wouldn't have your size I, I assume Adidas are going to have things like that covered a bit better as well they'll have a much bigger distribution model I, I mean part of the problem at Leeds is the numbers they're selling and, and that's why this will be lo- really lucrative and that's why Adidas would have wanted to get on board they, when I wrote about them a good few months back um, about shirt sales and everything else they sold over 110,000 which outstrips most clubs in, in the Premier League so it's it's an obvious investment for, for any big manufacturer you'll hear it said from time to time why don't clubs just make and sell kit themselves and and you know because there's so much money to be made out of them and and everything else the answer to that is because distributing kit in the way that adidas and nike and others do is not easy and and they have distribution models in place that can cover the world and take you um, all over the place and i think you know if, if you're in with the big two so to speak then you know, supply should not be an issue and it shouldn't be a problem. But I have a feeling that when these do go on sale in, in the next two or three weeks, um, that the demand for them is going to be absolutely massive. I will say this as a grown man who hasn't bought a shirt since the Nike days, actually. I refuse to get involved in all that, that lower league nonsense. I finally buckled and I got the, the grey and pink shirt, a shirt I very much was not sure about at all. 
when I first saw it launched. I was a little bit put out that we were going to be wearing something like that in our centenary season. But I say with the aid now of hindsight that um, I really like it as a kit because it symbolised something really, really special. Well, well, here's the thing. That is the best, from until that is the best selling away kit they've ever had at Leeds, the charcoal and pink. And I think second in line, or certainly um, one and two in the list, are that shirt and also the, the shirt from Bielsa's first season, the away kit, that as someone at the, the club said to me, looks a little bit like the covering in a car in a Vauxhall Astra from the, the 1980s. Because they're different, they sell, and it, it does make a difference. And you always have, when, when you do have out there kits, unless they're really hideous, you do always have that little burst of people saying, "What you know? What the hell is that?" But actually, from a marketing point of view, it it, it tends to be pretty successful if you go down that route. And I suspect that I, I suspect a game with Adidas there will probably be something different about the away kit, and if they do a third kit, that that as well, because that tends to be to be what what does well. So you're not alone in buying that charcoal kit; it's been massively popular. And you look at the you know the blue and green retro kit; it's it's going to be a nod to that if that leak is to be believed. And that's going to sell massively because all of us who were young and carefree in the in the mid nineties are going to see that and go, oh, that brings back some good memories. So I'll I'll tap into that again because I've already uh, thinking if that is the kit, I'll probably be all over that. Well, that's Tony Yeboah volleying in at West Ham, is it not? If if my memory's correct, I think it it would be a a kind of nod to to that season, and 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 that's the thing. I mean, I think because it is Adidas, it will sell well regardless. You know, there is no doubt that those sort of brands tend to do to do well automatically. So it's, you know, the club have said it's a record-breaking deal. They haven't given figures at this stage, but I'm, I'm absolutely certain that it will be. And I think it's the first step in what is going to be a, a kind of commercial overhaul at least now. Things are going to go through the roof. And all that money that we're bringing in from this um, mega kit deal, we can spend it all on players and put it in the pockets of super agents now because we're about to break our transfer records or something like that, so said Andrea Ratrizzani. Yeah, I mean, I was calling you Euro Millions on the, the Zoom call we did on Friday night. I think it was Friday night. I can't remember now. But you will just spend it all, burn it all, get it spent. Um, they, I, From what Kinnear was saying to us, I think they're going to look to do something in the region of four or five. They will lean heavily on the squad as it is because I think Bielsa thinks that they that there are a lot of players here who are good enough to go up a level again and, and, and to be decent enough to, to compete in the, the Premier League, not necessarily to get a mile up it, but you know to be, to be good enough for... For a starting point there, the noises also suggest that they'll be looking very, very heavily at championship players. So your top end championship players um, in the way that Brighton did Moppy and, you know, Brighton did Adam Webster and those deals that have been going around for, for a while. I think that definitely players at Brentford who they would be keen on if Brentford didn't go up. You, you guys like Ben Rama and, and Watkins would fit the bill. They are, as we keep saying, they're going to have to do a centre back if they don't get Ben White. And to be honest, that you know that area becomes even more important now that Berardi isn't fit. I I don't know what the general view is on Berardi out there, but I kind of felt that with him, and you know, I've had reservations about him in the past because of his discipline. But I think when I consider how well trained and skilled he is under Bielsa, and and how good a job he tends to do when he's thrown in, his record in the team is is absolutely terrific. I I kind of felt like. There was somebody there who could be a squad player in the Premier League and, and who would have been worth a contract extension. But he isn't going to play next season. And, and you know, if, if White goes as well, they're going to have to, to do some business there. But we asked Kinnear about Ben White and he said, you know, we do want to keep him. He's he's obviously thrived under Bielsa. He's big mates with Calvin Phillips and, and everything else. I don't think being mates with Calvin Phillips will get him through the door. I don't know what Brighton's intentions are, although they still haven't tied him to a new contract, which... 
to keep him happy, they would certainly have to do. And, and I don't know where White sees his, his future either. The one thing you know with him is that he is going to be seriously expensive. He is not going to be cheap. And it's not as, as if his performances have, have dropped off at all at, at any stage. You know, he looks like being ever-present right through this season. And, and considering he never played in the division before once, and that's absolutely remarkable. I think it explains why so many people are keen on him. Is there a danger that someone's going to overpay for him based on the fact that he has this incredibly strict coaching under Bielsa that seemed to have drawn these performances out of him and he has only done it in the championship because it'd be he's looking like he's probably going to be one of the most expensive signings of a young defender and that's not without having played a single Premier League game. The trend these days seems to be to overpay for everybody. It's almost a case of if you if you want a player, pay what you have to um, unless you, you have genuinely strict financial limits. Um, and the power does seem to be in the hands of the selling clubs because you know the, your top your top footballers and particularly your elite players are hitting unbelievable values, which which amazingly clubs out there are, are still able to pay. And you know it, it was never going to affect everybody. Covid that that was the reality. It wasn't going to do the damage in the Premier League that it was doing potentially in, in leagues one or two. But in the midst of this, you've got um, Chelsea signing Werner from. Um, from Rebel Leipzig, you know, fifty million quid or however much, just like that, and and you realise, you know, you, you're going to see City spend money, you're going to see Manchester United spend money. You, you realise that actually the music hasn't stopped to that degree. You know, at, at that end, that there still will be cash. I think what I'm interested in with White is the fact that Liverpool have been stalking him right the way through the season, and it doesn't feel or it doesn't sound as if there are vast amounts of cash at Liverpool. And and therefore, I, I don't know what sort of position they would be in to, to make that deal happen. And I don't know whether they would think that at this particular juncture, throwing a load of money at Ben White would be the, the right move in this window and, and the right way to go. But it's not to say that he won't start at, at Brighton. That he won't be at Brighton when the season starts. I, I just find it a bit surprising after this season if things didn't blow up to the point where, where he was leaving for somebody else. On this one, Ben White, I've got a suspicion that we've got a better chance than we might give ourselves credit for, for securing him. Not only is he, I mean, we were joking about this on the live stream on Friday, Phil, but he's mates with Calvin. The important thing is he's settled. I think that's what I was probably tapping into with that. He's going to get game time at Ellen Road. We absolutely know that. And the other thing I think which may factor into this, the level he's progressed at and he's come from nowhere to work under Marcelo Bielsa. And how many other chances is he going to have to do something like that get the game time first team in the Premier League under a coach like that he, he might just fancy it he might do and, and that has to be in his head to some degree and and I suspect that the past four or five days probably haven't done any harm in tying him to the club a little bit closer I, I was chatting this over with somebody earlier and saying if, if you visualise him he's never really had a look in at Brighton if you visualise him going back into the dressing room there at the start of next season He's suddenly in with a lot of players who he probably doesn't know particularly well. He, he might be suddenly in, in a squad where he's a substitute at best. You know, he, he's kind of in the picture, but but not necessarily starting games. And is he going to think, do you know what, the, the familiarity of Leeds, you know, I, I know Cooper, I, I understand that partnership. I'm, I'm big friends with the Phillips and generally seems to have rubbed along very well with, with everybody, not least Bielsa, who I was saying in my piece last week, on day one, when he signed White, put White in the under-23s dressing room at Leeds and basically said to him, you know, you need to prove yourself to me. You know, you are my signing, but I still want to see that you're good enough. And, and he's absolutely done that. So, yeah, possibly. And, I mean, if Liverpool don't have the cash to do it or if they decide that the money needs to go elsewhere and if, if City do Koulibaly, as keeps getting mentioned, are they really going to want to do 
Ben White as well, perhaps they will, but it, it seems a little bit unlikely. And and if you then start to drop below your top six clubs, who else in the division is miles ahead of Leeds in terms of appeal and, and draw? I, I don't think there are so many sides. So I, I would honestly never say never to this, but equally, if it didn't happen, I don't think any of us are going to be that surprised, are we? I preferred the start of that. <laughs> 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 you'll, you'll have bet on Liverpool though, won't you? Yeah, Liverpool for him. Hey, well, listen, it's going to be a slightly shorter show um, is this one because we've got another episode to come later on in the week after the Charlton game and we've had the presentation and any further updates that we've got from Ellen Road. So we will we'll can it there for this one and we will reconvene in a couple of days' time and just remind you that uh, you can read all Phil's stuff on The Athletic. No ads, no clickbait, no pop-ups, none of that sort of stuff. 30-day free trial, theathletic.com forward slash leads pod quick word just as we go then uh looking forward to the trophy presentation against charlton tomorrow night yeah i mean it, it's all it's about for leads really I, I think bielsa though is very conscious of what's going on elsewhere in the championship and we were sitting working out the other day that virtually every game has something riding on it you're talking about 16 17 clubs who could still get sucked into something um at, at the end of this season so you know there's a, a lot going on and and he was was quite careful to say today, you know, we, we will absolutely respect the, the competition. But um, yeah, it's all about the title really, isn't it? It's all about the title. It's all about the players having having one last day and then getting away for a holiday. Which we will do for maybe a few hours anyway, or maybe not. We'll speak to you later in the week. Thanks for listening. See you in a bit. The Phil Hay Show. 